Next week, we may see more people out in the streets demonstrating in America than we've seen in a long, long time. Why I'm marching, why inauguration protests are a glorious part of our history, and how you can get involved wherever you are. It's a special Take to the Streets edition of the Bloomcast, Voice of the Resistance. Bloom now joins us. Civil rights lawyer Lisa Bloom. Here to discuss now is Lisa Bloom. Trial attorney Lisa Bloom is head of the Bloom firm. Hell yeah, I'm going to the Women's March on Washington next week with a group of family and friends I'm dragging with me. And no, it is not convenient at all as I have to take a late night train from a case I'm doing in New York City and then a late night flight home afterwards, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? First world problems, I know. But I made this decision days after the election of the most openly misogynist president of my lifetime, and I'm sticking to it because stubbornness is one of my superpowers. You know, there's a great hashtag going around, hashtag why we march. Here are my reasons. So I write books and I do TV, but most of what I do is practice law in my law firm, and much of that is on behalf of women who are abused, either in their workplaces or by their husbands in family law cases. And to protect my clients, I'm going to use fake names here, but these stories, friends, are very, very real. I'm marching because my client Carla was married to a rich, arrogant lawyer for five years, and he beat her savagely. I'm marching because I look at the photos of her bruised face during her marriage, and I sit with her in a deposition as she is demeaned, and because the abuser's first wife experienced similar beatings but is too scared to come forward and help us, poor thing. I'm marching because Carla is getting stronger every day, God bless her, and she inspires me. I'm marching for my client Jennifer, who was anally raped by another college student, and she found the courage to report him to the university, which did a hearing and found for her. But the police wouldn't go forward with criminal charges. And throughout our case, the rapist's lawyers have belittled her and bullied her family. Jennifer barely finished college after her rape. Her mother saw her to the finish line, and she's lived at home with her parents ever since, watching her classmates launch their careers. She was hospitalized four times for depression and suicidality after her rape. I'm marching for my client, Tina, who worked at a company where sexual harassment is the norm, a company that has been sued over and over again, but that still doesn't get it, so we have to make them get it. Like all the other women at this large media company who have brought sexual harassment claims, Tina's career is at a standstill, perhaps over. Tina, a bright, accomplished attorney and journalist, has anxiety attacks and often has to be heavily medicated before she can even work with me on her case. And these are just some of the women that we currently represent. There's a much larger group of women we turn away every day because we can't take their cases. Some are so scared they can only go forward if we can promise them anonymity or that their mental health histories won't be revealed or that their family and friends won't find out. And once we file a lawsuit, I can't promise any of that. So a lot of these cases don't even get filed. Well, the Women's March has a wonderful mission statement about intersectionality and reproductive rights and many other important reasons to march. But for me, it's personal. It's about the work I do every day, handing tissues to rape survivors and coaching sexual harassment victims through the process and talking to therapists who break down the post-traumatic stress and depression that women suffer after this type of abuse. We have made a lot of progress on women's rights, 
But that's partly true because we started so far back. We are not even close to equal pay for equal work in 2017. And sexual harassment is a major obstacle for working women who still feel terrified to report it almost every time. And generally, they are right because retaliation comes swiftly. We are too often treated as sexual playthings for powerful men and cower in fear at the idea of standing up for our rights. And of course, Donald J. Trump, our president-elect, embodies all of that. The man accused of sexual harassment and misconduct by over a dozen women during the campaign. A man who bragged about sexual assault and who attacked his accusers at rallies. Two young women were in my office a few days ago in a new sexual harassment case where a local billionaire groped and grabbed them on a daily basis in their jobs. I'm the boss. I can do whatever I want, he said, they tell me. No, you can't. The law means something. A generation ago, women fought for these equality of opportunity laws, the laws guaranteeing our rights to workplaces free of sexual harassment, and it means something. And I'm happy to stand with with women and support their enforcement of these laws. But I am disheartened that after 30 years of doing this, young women still go to work and still have to put up with this. You know, in the women's movement, we say the personal is political. And that's because the second-class status of women impacts us in a very personal way. Our very bodies, our sexuality, our relationships, our jobs. I'm marching because women and girls deserve better. And the only way we get there is by standing together and flexing our political muscle together. We need to be loud and strong and brave together on behalf of Carla and Jennifer and Tina and all of the rest. I hope you'll march too, either in D.C. or in a local march. And I'm going to give you a lot of information about that after this interview. Joining me now is Jim Bendat, author of the book Democracy's Big Day, The Inauguration of Our President, 1789 to 2013. He's been featured as a presidential inauguration historian by all the networks and as a former L.A. County public defender. Jim, thank you so much for joining me today. Lisa, great to be with you. So what particularly interested me about you and your fabulous book is a history of protests at the event. You know, many people might think, well, it's very unusual and kind of rude to be protesting at an inauguration. But in fact, it's really not unusual, is it? It's not too unusual. And, and I think it's always good for democracy when we have people speaking out. And that's what happened, particularly at the inaugurations of Richard Nixon and George W. Bush. So what kind of protests were held for those inaugurations? Well, for both of Nixon's, it was largely, they were largely anti-war protests with the Vietnam War going on. And for Bush, um, the sec his second inauguration was another anti-war protest. But the first one in January of 2001 dealt in large measure with the disputed election of 2000 with uh, signs and banners saying, hail to the thief, selected, not elected, mm -hmm. Gore." Gore by 500,000, Bush by one, referring to the U.S. <laughs> Supreme Court decision, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Well, so who could it forget? Was, really. And, and I was there in um, D.C. on that day, and 
uh, Freedom Plaza was the main designated area for the protesters. And as George W. Bush drove by in his limousine during the inaugural parade, um, he saw something that no other president really has ever seen, which was that protesters were outnumbering his supporters. Wow. Wow. Okay. And we're going to talk about what's coming up uh, with Trump and protests, including some that I will be attending. But I also wanted to ask you about women marching for the right to vote back in 1913. And thousands of suffragists took over Pennsylvania Avenue on that occasion, right? They sure did. You know, we have the uh, big women's march coming up this year. Well, in, in 1913, before women had uh, gained the right to vote, yes, indeed, an estimated five to 8,000 uh, women uh, took to the streets. They got a, a, a permit and marched right on Pennsylvania Avenue. In that case, it was the day before since inauguration. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, Lisa, five to 8,000 people back in 1913 is a pretty remarkable number given how difficult it was to, to travel in those days. Yeah, and the population was, of the country was much smaller too. For sure. And um, so the, the, some people supported them, but a lot of the onlookers were upset, either because they opposed the idea of women voting or because they objected to the timing of the march. And uh, so some of them were insulted. They were slapped, spit upon. Hmm. Um, and this resulted in the Washington, D.C. police chief actually being fired from his job and to new support for women. And by the hmm. next inauguration in 1917, exactly 100 years ago, uh, the women, the suffragists, marched in the regular parade. And by 1920, all women had gained the right to vote. Isn't that fabulous? And it's such an important historical lesson that these things aren't easy, that the people who are out there protesting really endure a tremendous amount of grief and suffering. You know, I think we all tend to look back at history with rose-colored glasses and think women just, you know, were granted the right to vote. One of the things my mom has always impressed upon me, my mother, Gloria Allred, not everybody knows that, uh, is not to say women were given the right to vote, but to say that women fought for and won the right to vote. It wasn't just bestowed one day from above, you know, out of the clear blue sky, like, <laughs> like Absolute, a gift. Absolutely correct. And by the way, since you mentioned your mom, I went to law school with her. How do you like that? There you go. Loyola Law School. That's right. So there, we have a huge women's march on Washington coming up on January 21st. I am going. I have been invited to speak at uh, at least one event uh, that day, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going. I booked my flight. I booked my Airbnb at an exorbitant rate with a girlfriend, and probably a couple others are piling into that little apartment with us. I'm going. Everybody should go. And uh, somebody in your family is going, right, Jim? Well, my wife and I are both going to be traveling. Um, my wife is planning to march along with you. I will be busy working for CNN. I, I've uh -huh. been invited to be a, be a correspondent for CNN for that entire week. So oh, well, that's talking fabulous. about talking about inaugural history and probably about protests too. Well, then you have a pass for not going. Uh, of course, men are invited too, and I encourage everybody to bring your brothers and your sons and your husbands and your boyfriends and uh, just corral everybody and. You know, we love male allies in the women's movement. What do you expect is going to happen this year, both on Inauguration Day, because we know that a lot of protests are planned for that day, and as well as the following day with the big women's march? Well, it's a big mystery. I mean, the whole inauguration with Donald Trump is a big mystery just because of who he is. 
will he try to make this whole uh, inauguration a celebration about himself, which would seem to be uh, to fit the pattern here? It's really not a day about an individual so much as it is really about the country. I mean, Inauguration Day only occurs once every four years. It sets our country apart from other countries. So I think he'd be making a big mistake if he makes it about himself. It would be rather pathetic for him to do so. What do you say to people who might be thinking about going to a demonstration and feel that it's maybe not respectful of the office of the presidency on Inauguration Day? I would say to them it's it's respectful for the traditions uh, and the freedoms that we enjoy today. It would be respectful to the memory of all, the, all others who have marched on Washington and in other places to gain civil rights and to gain the women's rights that we talked about. So it's, it's, it's in the American tradition to protest when the cause is just. Well, bravo. And I think history is so important and history can be our guide. And, and that's why I love having you on today. And I think we can also protest in a respectful way. We don't need to call people names. We don't need to be ugly and mean-spirited and negative. Uh, and particularly for the Women's March, we are standing up for our deeply held American value of equality for women and equality for all people. And I'm going as a reminder to Mr. Trump and his followers that we will not tolerate any rollback of women's rights, whether it's in the area of abortions, abortion rights, equal pay for equal work, sexual harassment, sexual assault, or anything else, anything else. And I think it's a tremendously important day for us to stand for, for our rights. And those who don't go are probably going to regret later on that they didn't go when they see the tremendous energy and turnout on that day. Jim Bendat, thank you so much for your book, and for your commentary, the book, everyone, is Democracy's Big Day, the Inauguration of Our President, 1789 to 2013. And how can people connect with you, Jim? Well, they can reach me uh, if they want to send me an email at inaugurationbook at yahoo.com. That sounds fabulous. Have a great day, and we'll be looking for you on CNN. Terrific. Thanks so much again, Lisa, and good luck with everything you're doing. Thank you, Jim. Take care. So lace up your comfiest walking shoes, pack a water bottle and snacks, grab a friend or two or 20, and get out there and exercise your First Amendment rights. Let's start with women, because women are awesome. The Women's March in D.C. starts at 10 a.m. the day after the inauguration. That's January 21st, next Saturday. Go to womensmarch.com for all of the info and their beautiful, inclusive mission statement. Bravo to them. Uh, local marches, or should I say worldwide marches, are happening all over the freaking place. We are flexing our political muscles. Check this out. There are sister marches on January 21st in cities and towns all across the U.S. And when you click on the little map, it's all covered in red, not because they voted for Trump, but because there are little red arrows where all the little marches are. And they are everywhere, probably within a very short drive from wherever you are. There are marches in Kanab, Utah, Boise, Idaho, Beaumont, Texas, and just about everywhere all over the U.S. Go to womensmarch.com sister. Oh, and also the entire rest of the world. There are women's marches on January 21st in Australia, Austria, 
Belgium, Canada, Colombia, Costa Rica, Czech Republic, Denmark, France, Germany, Greece, Iraq, Israel, Japan, Kenya, South Korea, Mexico, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Poland, Puerto Rico, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, and the UK. You have no excuse not to march. This is truly historic. I can't think in my lifetime of women's marches that have been this well coordinated all over the world. And if you don't go, you are going to regret missing out. What about Inauguration Day, January 20th, next Friday? At least 26 groups have applied for permits to protest, which is more than four times the average for past inaugurations, according to USA Today. And here are some of them. Uh, they are organized by groups like the Answer Coalition, Disrupt J20, Real Progressives, Rally for Humanity, and DCMJ. The Answer Coalition, they are at answercoalition.org. And they're doing a mass protest against the Trump agenda on Inauguration Day, January 20th, starting at 7 a.m. Freedom Plaza in D.C. I may go to that one. They, I understand, have a permit. Their goal is to keep building a larger grassroots movement against war, militarism, racism, anti-immigrant scapegoating, and neoliberal capitalism's assault against workers' living standards and the environment. Hooray for them. Check out DisruptJ20.org. They are doing a protest in Washington on Inauguration Day to bring widespread civil, civil resistance to the streets of Washington, D.C. through protests, direct actions, and even parties. Check them out. Real Progressives has an event in D.C. that they're organizing on Facebook. They say, on Inauguration Day, we will gather to speak in solidarity with the diversity of voices. Bring your tents. Hmm. That's going to be interesting. Rally for Humanity, that's rally, the number four, humanity.wixsite.com. They are doing a big action also on Inauguration Day, uh, and the, all of the information is there on their website. Rally for humanity.wixsite.com. They are organizing at the MLK Jr. Memorial on the National Mall. On January 20th, they want to show resistance to intolerance and injustice occurring across the country that has been exacerbated by this election, and good for them. And finally, DCMJ is a pro-pot lobbying group leading the legalization of marijuana in D.C., and they are going to distribute 4,200 joints near the inauguration, four minutes and 20 seconds into Donald Trump's speech they plan on lighting up. Uh, I am anti-drug but pro-legalization, so you can do with that as you will. But my point, friends, is that it's time to get out there. You have no more excuses not to. These events are happening all over the country next week. Please join. Please get out there. Even if it seems weird, even if you've never done it before, even if it's uncomfortable for you, please go. The environment is at stake. Women's rights, racial equality, LGBTQ rights are at stake. Our immigrant friends have been demeaned and maligned. Our values are at stake. We are strong. We are the resistance. Wait until you see us rise. This is Lisa Bloom, voice of the resistance. Please subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends, and follow me on Twitter or Facebook. This podcast is brought to you by The Bloom Firm, where together with my team of eight other lawyers, we fight for justice for our clients every day. Whether in a business dispute, family law case, or discrimination and harassment case, every one of my lawyers, like me, has a passion for justice. 
The bar requires me to say that this is an attorney solicitation, and yes, we would love for you to contact us at thebloomfirm.com. Friends, in coming weeks, I will take your questions. Call me at 818-835-0382 and leave me a short message with your question, and it might get answered next week. That's all for now. This is Lisa Bloom for The Resistance.